as Sherry said, we've been studying this summer through the book of Ephesians. And in this book, Paul casts vision for us to see ourselves the way God sees us. And he's inviting us to have a broader sense of identity, maybe even the greatest sense of identity, to really identify ourselves, to see ourselves the way he sees us. Because the way you see yourself is shaping who you are becoming. Now, we typically get our sense of identity from various aspects of life. So like, sometimes we, when we think about who we are, we think about our family relationships, husband and wife, parents, children. Sometimes when we think about our sense of identity, we think about possessions, because I, I know some people really identify with certain possessions. Sometimes it's with a house. Uh, sometimes it's with a motorcycle. Sometimes it's with a macho truck, right? Okay, one truck clap, okay. This is Texas, man. Uh, sometimes we get our sense of identity from our job, maybe as a nurse or as a teacher or a police officer or a construction worker, something like that. Sometimes we get our sense of identity from a school affiliation. So like I'm a UTSA grad, any UTSA grads out there? Yeah, class of 84, baby. Uh, my, you know, and, and my, my son's an Aggie, and so he identifies as an Aggie. My daughter's a Longhorn, and so she identifies as weird, and that's it's just the way they are. <laughs> and then sometimes, you know, you identify with a, with a sports team, you know, a local sports team, you know, a great sports team, yeah. <clears throat> but sometimes you identify with body image, you get your sense of identity through money, sexuality, addictions, negative labels, maybe even painful experiences. And some of these uh, aspects of identity, they're okay, they're healthy, they're normal, but some, let's just admit, are not great. And what Paul is inviting us to do is to get like the big picture of our identity, the way God sees us. And this is how God sees you. This is Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. When God sees you, he sees a masterpiece. Do you believe that? Can you, can you say, I am God's masterpiece with me? You ready? I am God's masterpiece. And Paul wants us to live like we believe that. And if you notice what he says in that verse, a part of the way that God paints this masterpiece in our lives is the good works that he's prepared in advance for us to do. Now those good works, that's not what makes us right with God. That's not what makes us God's children. We get right with God through faith in Christ. But good works that God has prepared for us to do, those do become the, the brush strokes through which God creates the masterpiece he sees within us. God sees you as a masterpiece. But I suspect some of you might say, okay, Pastor Brent, can I be honest with you? I know it sounds all nice and inspirational to talk about this masterpiece stuff, but can I really be honest with you? My life doesn't feel like a masterpiece. My life feels like a mess. My marriage is in crisis. My kids are out of control. Our finances are a wreck. My anger is ruining my life. My depression is ruining my life. My addiction is ruining my life. Am I just supposed to close my eyes and pretend like I'm a masterpiece and just act like everything's okay? Is that what you're asking me to do? No, that's not what I'm asking you to do. 
Being a masterpiece is not about acting or pretending. Being a masterpiece is about believing and becoming. It's about believing really in your heart who you are in God's eyes because what you believe about who you are is who you become. And then becoming is about submitting your life to the master artist because he sees the masterpiece in you. And when we submit our lives to him, he creates this masterpiece of a life. It's about believing and becoming. Believing and becoming. Believing and becoming together. Because no one becomes the masterpiece God sees in them alone. And in this next portion of Paul's letter, he expands upon this metaphor of a masterpiece by showing how God brought two different groups of people together and he made them better together. So who are these two groups of people? In their day, it was the Jewish people and the Gentiles. And basically, if you were Gentile, you were not Jewish. And uh, the Gentiles that Paul was writing to did not uh, grow up believing in the God of the Bible, so they were far from God. They went their own way in their lives. And because of the way they lived their lives, it was, it was very interesting in their culture. The Jewish people did not associate with the Gentile people. They did not even eat with them. And so there was some separation between them. There, there was exclusion between them. There were the chosen ones and the unchosen ones, the ones who were near to God and the ones who were far from God. And so that's the way it was in their culture. But when Jesus came, he changed all of that. And he took the two groups of people who were so different and he made them one. And when he made them one, he made them better together. And so Paul wrote these words to Gentiles who had believed. This is uh, chapter 2, uh, verse 12. This is Ephesians, uh, here we go, 2, 12. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenants of the promise, and without hope and without God in the world. But now in Jesus Christ, you who were once far away have become brought near by the blood of Christ. And that's good news. And here's what Paul is saying. No matter how far away you've gone, no matter what you've done through faith in Christ, you can come near to God. Now, people go their own way. People who go their own way live their life without really thinking about God's plan for their lives. And when people go their own way, they do their own thing. And when you go your own way and do your own thing, you end up with sin debt. But according to Paul, when Jesus died on the cross, he paid our sin debt. And through our faith in him, we can be relieved of our sin debt. No matter how many sins you have committed, no matter how significant those sins might be, through faith in Christ, you can draw near to God. And the path to becoming the masterpiece that God sees in you begins with faith in Jesus Christ. And if you feel far away, if you feel far away today, I want you to know you're welcome here because in this community of faith, every one of us at some point in our journey realized that we were far away too and that we wanted to be near to God. And through faith in Jesus Christ, you can draw near to God. And if your life feels like a mess, the masterpiece that God sees in you begins with faith in Christ. And it's my hope, it's my prayer that if you've never put your trust in him, that you would do so today. 
Now, this past week, I talked with a friend of mine about her own journey. We were talking about this metaphor of a masterpiece and what God was doing in her life. And she told me a little bit about her story when she was far away. She told me about some of the regrets she had, some of the mistakes she made, some of the ways that she failed in life. But she's so excited about what God is doing in her life now. But you know what she said? And I thought this was so profound. She said, but I wouldn't change anything that happened before because it is a part of the masterpiece that God is now making in me because God is making something beautiful even out of the bad stuff I experienced. And I thought that was so awesome because I don't want you to misunderstand what it means to be a masterpiece. Being a masterpiece doesn't mean you never made mistakes. It doesn't mean you never went through tough times or had any regrets or failures. Being a masterpiece means that you allow God to redeem your life and your story, your whole story. God can take the bad stuff in your life and make something beautiful out of it. If you will submit your life to the master artist, he will make a masterpiece of your life. You are a masterpiece. That is your identity. I also think it's important to notice, though, that in this first church, they created a safe community of grace where people who were far away from God felt welcome to come and explore their faith. And church ought to be the kind of community where people who are far away can come and become the masterpieces that God sees in them. City church exists so all people, especially those who feel far away, can believe and thrive in Christ. And we work hard to create a safe grace community where people can come no matter what they've done in their life, no matter how far away from God they may have wandered. Because we believe it's that important. And look, if you're one of those people who does feel far away, you're not gonna shock us by your story. In our 26 year history, we have reached so many people who were far away. We've reached ex-cons, addicts, gang members, and prostitutes. And we love them the way they were, and we help them see the masterpiece that God could already see in them. And you know who else we reached? We reached people who thought they had it all together. And then when they got really honest, they realized they were a mess too. And it's okay. This is a safe community where you can explore our faith in Christ and become the masterpiece that God sees in you. But for that to happen, there's something that, that, that uh, Paul's going to talk to us about now in his letter. We have to come together. Because nobody becomes the masterpiece God sees in them alone. And the movement that Jesus started brought unity where there was hostility and there was division. This is uh, verse 14. <clears throat> for he himself, talking about Christ, for he himself is our peace, who made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, dividing, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself, get this, one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to you who are near. And so that's his vision, to create one new humanity. Jesus came not only to bring us uh, near to God, but to bring us near to each other. 
And he does that by making peace where there is hostility and division. And a part of becoming the masterpiece God sees in us is learning to be people of peace. So what's the hostility he's talking about here? It, it was the hostility between the Gentiles and the Jews. And there was such a, a, a tension between them. It existed in their culture. The Jews did not associate with the Gentiles. And in fact, if you went to the place of worship for Jews, it was called the, the temple. It was in Jerusalem. There were actually literal walls that separated the areas where Gentiles could go and where Jews could go. So he's seeing this wall of separation. But what he's saying is in Christ, Christ tears down the walls of hostility. And he teaches people how to, to live in peace. And Jesus is creating one new humanity among us. And let's be honest. In our culture, there's hostility. Come on. There's political hostility. There's racial hostility. There's economic hostility. And Jesus is wanting to create a new humanity who lives life in a different way who are a people of peace, who bring peace where there is diversity. Now, understand this though. Unity doesn't mean we're all the same and we all think the same way. Let me explain what I mean by that. Sometimes people ask me, hey, Pastor Brent, you know, I've heard about City Church. So like, what kind of church are y'all? Are y'all like one of them liberal churches or are you conservative? Or are you more like, are y'all all Democrat or y'all all Republican?" And you know what I tell them? <laughs> I tell them, you know what? We reflect our community. We're about half liberal, half conservative. We're about half Democrat, half Republican. We're half tree huggers, half Trump huggers. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> Out there, there's hostility. But in this new humanity, we will live in peace. And living in peace doesn't mean we're all the same and we all think the same way. Here's what it means. We live in peace, and we're going to show our, our society a new way to treat each other. We live in peace by loving each other the way we are. We live in peace by forgiving each other when we wrong one another. We live in peace by making things right when we've done something wrong. That's the one new humanity Jesus envisions in us. And this one new humanity matters. We must come together because no one becomes the masterpiece that God sees in them alone. And so Paul, is, he's seeing this picture in his mind and he paints it in words. He, he pictures this one new humanity as a building. This is verses 21 and 22. In him, again in Christ, in him... The whole building is being joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together, becoming a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So here Paul gives clarity about the masterpiece that he sees. And he tells us that we are becoming the temple of God's spirit. Now, what's interesting is there are two words used in the New Testament for temple. One word describes the whole temple compound. And so I think we have a picture of the whole temple compound. You can see all the different walls. And there's different walls and barriers there. And that's not the word he used. He used the other word that is used in the New Testament. And it only speaks about one part of the temple, which is that tall part that's a very small part. 
And that part was called the holy place. The, the word that he used is not us. Can you say not us with me? Not us. And it referred to the holy place. And this is what the holy place was. The holy place was where God uniquely manifest the, his spirit in the temple for the Jewish people. And it was so special that only one person ever got to go into the holy place one time a year. And for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, God manifest his spirit on the earth in the temple until the day Jesus died. And when Jesus died, the, the curtain that was inside the holy place was ripped. God's spirit left that building. And according to Paul, he's coming to you. You are now the new, not us. You are the holy place. You are the temple of God's spirit. And what's interesting is the, the you that he uses there, the you, uh, you are becoming the temple and in, including you are the masterpiece. It's not you singular. So there is a sense in which you are a masterpiece and you are a masterpiece. You are a naas, you are a naas. But there's another sense in which he's saying you all are a masterpiece together. You all are a naas together. And in fact, if, if Paul lived in Texas... And I think everybody ought to live in Texas for a while. He would say, y'all, y'all are a masterpiece. Y'all are a naas. Y'all are a temple of God's spirit. And get this, God is placing each one of us. And we're each one different. And we're each one beautiful in our own way. He's putting us together, creating this new naas, this new humanity. And there's a reason for it. Because there are people who are far away from God who don't realize that they, they are masterpieces. And God sees it in them because he created them in his image. And we're called to be a new not us, a new humanity, a place of peace, a people of peace who help others become the masterpiece that God sees in them. But to do that, we've got to come together. People don't become the masterpieces God sees in them alone. So I think about my own spiritual journey. I've never grown in my spiritual journey alone. I've had mentors. I've had teachers and pastors who helped me you know, understand uh, the scriptures. I've had small groups that I've met with. Some of them were, were like new to me. I didn't know them before. But groups of people where I met with them, I learned from their faith. I learned from their failures. And we learned together. And I also had some close spiritual friends who would encourage me when I needed it most and who would confront me when I needed it most. I would not be becoming the masterpiece God sees in me if it weren't for these other people who have been a significant part of my life. And that's why one of our core values here at City Church is to courageously connect. I believe it's that significant for your spiritual journey, for you to become the masterpiece God sees in you. We must courageously connect. And that's why this year I'm asking uh, everyone, my goal is that everyone gets connected to someone. Everyone to someone. And so I'm asking you to keep on flying until you find your flock. Keep on at, getting at it, looking for ways to courageously connect. And I know sometimes it's uncomfortable if you're more introverted. But you keep looking for ways to connect until you find your flock. And this is what I mean by that. You keep flying until you find those three to seven people 
who will fly through life with you, who will encourage you when you need encouragement, and who will confront you when you need to be confronted. That's how we become the masterpiece that God sees in us. And then look for a way, look for your unique way to serve in this not us, this new humanity. Because all around us, in our city, in our community, there are people and they feel like their lives are a mess. And they need a place of hope. They need a community of hope where they can become the masterpieces that God sees in them. And we ought to be that community. We ought to be the kind of community where masterpieces come to, where people come to be the masterpieces that God sees in them. Now, over the, the many years, we've reached literally thousands and thousands of people and helped them become the masterpieces God sees in them. And I remember uh, one weekend we were having baptisms and we had baptized people and the, the service was over, the crowd had, had gone. And this young woman came up to me uh, wearing bright red scrubs. And she said, Pastor Brent, Pastor Brent, I'm sorry, I had to work late. I couldn't get off. I couldn't get here in time, but I really want to get baptized. Can you baptize me anyway? I want to get baptized today. And she had family and friends with her. And I mean, I was just excited. Somebody was excited about getting baptized. And, but if I could be honest, she looked so young. And I thought, what could she have done in her life you know, where she was so excited about getting baptized. And so I just, I asked her, hey, where do you go to high school? And that's when she told me the rest of the story. She told me she dropped out of high school because she got addicted to crystal meth. And because of her addiction, she ran away from home and lived in the streets. She told me she made a lot of bad decisions during that season of life. She also had a couple of kids along the way. And she wrestled with her addiction and homelessness all through that season. But then she found a safe community of grace who would accept her where she was, who helped her see the masterpiece that God could see in her. And she put her trust in Jesus Christ. And she told me her, she'd gotten her life together. She had a steady job now. She was a stable mom for her kids, and she had a new outlook on life. And that's why she needed to get baptized that day. It was, she wanted to like make a defining point in her spiritual journey. And so it was awesome. I was excited to baptize her. But her story would not have happened without a safe community of grace. She didn't, she didn't turn her life around on her own. It, she needed a new humanity. She needed a new not us who would love her where she was and help her see herself the way God sees her. That woman was once far away, but now she's near. She's becoming the masterpiece God sees in her. And you play a part in that. And so I'm asking you to find your unique way to be a part of this, not us, as we create one new humanity with Christ.